not throw them at you, hopefully. Page uh, 689, I think, in the Blue Bibles. Is that right? Is it page 689 in the Blue Bibles? In the White Bibles, it might be 13. Page 690 in the blue and 17 in the white? All right. Page 690 in the blue. Page 17 in the white. So we actually moved up a chapter. We're making some serious progress here as we go through the Bible. Um, Let's open up in prayer before we start. God, I just pray, Lord, that... um, You'd help us to just get a grasp, to get a better understanding of what you're trying to say to us, Lord. There can be so many other things that can just get in the way and and cloud and just distract. And so, Father, we just pray, God, that you could just settle um, hearts and minds that need to be settled. God, we're going to be reading about different types of responses, Lord, to your word, God. And of course, Father, we want to be the type that respond in a right way to your word, Lord, into a way that will bring fruit, Father, into a way that will bring joy into our lives. And so, Father, we just pray, God, that we wouldn't just uh, acquire knowledge, Father, but, Lord, that we would also put it into practice, God. And that we would start in our own lives and start in our own hearts, Lord. So God, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> so there's a... Uh, I, I grew up um, in uh, the Hartford area, um, in Rocky Hill. Uh, nice little town uh, south of Hartford. And uh, in that town... There is a huge um, veterans, um, hospital, housing, just really kind of a small community there. Um, And by the way, also, since it uh, being Veterans Day, any veterans that you bump into today and that you see, you should tell them, look them in the eyes, tell them thank you, you appreciate their sacrifice, and shake their hands. It goes a long, long way. And any that you might know personally in your family or friends, I hope they take up some of your prayer times today. They could definitely use it in their families, in their lives, if they're on the battlefields, if they're not. I hope they take up some of your prayer time today. Um, But anyways, in Rocky Hill, um, there is sort of this uh, veterans kind of home base there. And growing up there, I had a friend um, who... Uh, his dad served in the military and is a veteran of, I'm not even really sure, I think it was Vietnam, but I'm not positive. And uh, they were fortunate enough to actually live on the property. And so it's a nice deal because they don't have to pay a mortgage or anything to live on there. And uh, I think they even still have a house on there. And it's up to them whenever they want to move off of there. So uh, they live on this property and... I was talking to the father of my friend that lives on the property. And he says, you know, he says, there's that checkpoint, you know, that you have to drive through and get on the base. And uh, 
he said, you know, I don't think they notice anything about anybody when we drive in there. He says, it seems like they just let anybody in this place. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, anybody could really sneak on this thing. It's not very difficult. He said, you just drive and wave. He said, that's all you really have to do. I said, wow, that doesn't seem very secure. And he's like, you know, no, it's not. And I'm like 12 years old at the time, you know, we're talking about this stuff. And um, so he said, you know what I did one day? I said, what'd you do? He said, well, one day, he said, I put a mask on. He said, I got a fake gun. And he said, I drove right up to the security thing. He said, I didn't even stop. He said, I put the mask on. I had the gun. He said, I held it up in the air like this. I drove right past the gate and all I did was wave. And he said, they let me in. <laughs> I said, are you serious? I said, that's the way that goes? He said, yeah. He said, uh, he said you know, they don't take their job that seriously. And uh, they're not even really paying attention half the time. They didn't even look to see and notice that he had a gun in his hand. That he had a, this scary kind of mask, which he told me about. And they didn't even notice. You know, just totally blind to what's going on. You know, not noticing. That picture up there is uh, President Franklin Roosevelt. And there's a story of him um, that's kind of similar to my friend uh, up in Rocky Hill. And apparently Franklin Roosevelt always had long receiving lines. Like wherever he went anywhere, he just had a lot of people there. Like most presidents do. But I I guess he he had a lot. And so he had the same kind of feeling. Nobody really cared. Nobody really noticed. And if you're a mom or a dad or a parent and you've got kids, you know, you can probably relate to that feeling. Nobody pays attention. Nobody notices. So, he says, you know what? Every time I go down this receiving line, I say things to people. He said, but I don't think they care. I don't think they even listen. I don't think they notice. And he said, so next time, when I go down the receiving line, I'm, I'm going to tell them a phrase and see if they pay attention. He said, I'm going to tell them. He said, I'm going to murmur it. I'm going to say... I murdered my grandmother this morning. That's what he's going to say. Little crazy and out there, and that's obvious to get the point across that if they were paying attention even a little bit, that they would catch on. So he goes out to the receiving line during his next event, and he goes down the line, and sure enough, murmurs, I murdered my grandmother this morning, I murdered my grandmother this morning, I murdered my And people just respond. Oh, it's great to meet you, Mr. President. Oh, great job. Oh, really nice to see you. Nobody's picking up on this. Nobody's noticing. Completely oblivious. Not hearing what's going on. Until he gets to the ambassador for Bolivia. And the ambassador of Bolivia kind of gives a slight bow and he shakes the hand of the president. He says, well, I'm sure she deserved it, sir. And then he continued to go down the line. Right? He paid attention just a little bit. Just a little bit. See, in both of those stories, in the first one, you see how like, we can get numb to like, seeing things because you get caught up in just the routine of it. And then in the second one, we can see how the hearing part just kind of, kind of goes out the window because you get used to the idea of the routine and what you're supposed to say and what you're supposed to do. And hearing and seeing are vital parts of the Christian walk. And for many of us, we're really kind of hardened to it. Maybe for a number of reasons. Maybe because we've just been bombarded with just a lot of stuff, God and spirituality related. And when it comes up, it's just kind of like, 
yeah, whatever. I've heard it. And you just sort of just go numb to it. I think this numbness happens quite a bit when I'm at work and we go to Mass. It's amazing how... I, I found in myself the first few times I was really paying attention really hard because I was like, man, what are they saying? What is going on? Like, what is the priest going to talk about? Where are they going to go with this thing? Like, the scripture readings that they're doing, how is this going to relate to what he's saying? And we'll find many times that it's kind of just all random stuff, but they just sort of throw it together. But not too long after that, I find myself to show up in the masses and completely unplug three seconds into when the priest opens his mouth. It was so crazy. I had to fight so hard to pay attention for even maybe ten minutes. Maybe ten minutes. And I know the kids and the faculty, and the faculty, at work do the same thing. It's amazing. They just come in, be completely respectful, go through all the routines, and have their mind totally disconnected really from what they're doing. Craziness. Hearing it all, but not really listening, right? Hearing it all, but not really listening. Almost like those receiving lines. I murdered my grandmother this morning. I murdered my grandmother this morning. You know, hearing that, hearing some sort of noise, but not really listening to what's really going on. Seeing a car drive through the gates, but not seeing the mask and the gun that the guy is carrying. Spiritually, Satan loves it. When we can't see real well, when we can't hear real well. Loves that. Loves that. In fact, um, we're going to talk about that's one of his schemes. The passage we're going to look at today talks a lot about listening, seeing, and hearing. And Jesus is going to use a parable or a story... That has to do with a farmer. And he's going to talk about kind of how all this goes together. Because the fact of the matter is that for most people, to really see things well and to listen, not just hear, but to listen well, you have to kind of discipline yourself. And like sit down and really focus and pay attention. Okay, what are the words they're using? What's their body language like? How does what they say relate to what they said before? It requires some skill. Spiritually, even if you bring all those skills to the table, which it's hard just to kind of get those skills sometimes, just listen and pay attention and just be able to notice things, there's actually something else going on, a third party that's also trying to make it as difficult as possible for us to see what's actually going on and hear what is actually going on. That's very interesting. So for so many of us, it's so hard just maybe to focus sometimes and zone in and listen and notice and hear it and see it. When it comes to spiritual matters, there's a third party involved trying to throw a wrench in it and make it even more difficult. And so what Jesus is going to do, He's actually going to talk about this dynamic of God's Word, the truths of God, and He's going to talk about how when that goes out, what actually happens. So when we look at the Bible, we read the Word, and people hear the Bible. So maybe if we're at church this morning, or thousands, millions of others that are at church this morning, and the Word goes out, what actually happens? Well, Jesus gives us an inside scoop 
a real deal perspective of what actually goes on. And he relates it to a farmer that farms. Anybody ever keep a garden? Or keep a garden? Anybody do some gardening? Keep a garden? We just started doing that a few years ago. And uh, one, it's awesome not to spend four bucks on a bag of lettuce at the store. Two, it is very cool to be growing your own, like, it's organic stuff in your garden, you know, your dirt, uh, your effort you put into it. You get to eat that and you see it. And when you keep a garden and do anything like that, you can see a lot of spiritual parallels going on at the same time because Jesus so many times used things like farmers or gardening or wheat or weeds to set spiritual principles right at the forefront of people's minds because that's what they were familiar with. So we're going to look at some of that today. These truths, when we read them, when they go out, what actually happens? Are there just words in the page? We just kind of say them? And if people are paying attention, then they get them. And then what happens after that? We're going to see what happens. So Matthew chapter 13. And like we said, hearing and seeing and those concepts are going to be mentioned 27 times. Whenever you read through something, one part of Bible study in your own personal time, you know, you try and pick out certain phrases, keywords that jump out to you, maybe contrast in the story, opposites. You also try and want to try and pick up word repetition. Because there's a reason for that. God chose to specifically use those word repetitions for a reason. And we want to figure out why. And so as you read it, you might even want to want to go through an underline or box off, seeing or hearing each time you see it as we go through this. So let's take a look. So that same day, Jesus went out of the house, sat by the lake. Such large crowds around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. And that'd be common for back then. Where actually he was the one sitting. Right, he was the one sitting in the boat, and they were out there standing on the shore. And that was kind of a common way that they would do things. We kind of do it opposite now. So I'm the guy standing right now, and you guys are the ones sitting. Um, so maybe I guess I should sit for the rest of this, and then you should stand. What do you think? That sounds good, right? So I'm going to... No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do that. So verse 3 says, Then he told them many things and parables. We'll talk about that in a minute and what that means. Saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path... And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. So if you're underlining, here we go. Here starts the counting, right? If you want to take a look at it, you want to see if I'm lying about the 27 times. So verse 10, The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has to be given more and who will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. 
This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. So in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but not perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your ears, because they see in your ears, their eyes because you see in your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell in rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Since he has no root, he lasts only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. This is the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the words of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So pretty interesting. Jesus is talking here and he's addressing the fact of what happens when the word, when the word. Now here's what I mean. A few weeks ago we did a little like language study and I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. But... The language study, when we talk about the words, what are we talking about the word when we say that? There's actually three words, and I just want to make sure that you get this right from the outside because it's important. So the word, just this thing right here, just the Bible, the physical book that you can touch and feel and do whatever you want with, keep it in your house, put it on the coffee table, that's called graphe. There's a certain word for that in the Bible. So this is called graphe. Everybody say graphe. Graphe, right? Graphe. So then there's a message inside of it. So that's the part that we read. We just read it. That's the part, hopefully, that you read during the week and that you take a look at and say, Geez, Lord, I don't know what this has to do with my life right now, but you know, speak to me. Show me. Maybe I should read about something. Uh, maybe Jared says something about this. Wow, he was really wrong. Did you really mean for him to say that? And, I don't know. That's the Logos. So everybody say Logos. Logos. So the Logos is the message inside here, the part that we read. So you hold it. The physical part is called? Graphe. The message inside is? And then when we meet with God and He talks to us, that's where you really freak people out. What? God is talking to you? Lunatic. You should be somewhere in a hospital be getting therapy with medicine. You need help. We believe in that craziness that God does speak to us and that He does guide us and that He does help us and He does strengthen us and encourage us and give us, gives us what we need. And that word that happens which the Bible sometimes refers to as that still, small voice. That's rhema. Everybody said rhema. Rhema. And so we got graphe, we got logos, and we got rhema. Right? So this morning, we talk about this logos, when the message, 
goes out. And when he sprinkles it, we're not talking about sprinkling out graphes and just throwing Bibles, you know, everywhere and wherever it lands, whatever happens. We're talking about the logos, the message, getting spread out what actually happens. And so Jesus relates it to a farmer, which we can think of as really God himself as kind of the farmer. The seed, which would be the logos that he's spreading out. And the soil, which we would think of as like men's hearts. And so you have those fill in the blanks too in your bulletin. So if you didn't know what goes in there, that's what goes in there. And so the sower being God, that seed going out being the logos, and that soil of the heart, the soil being the hearts, the soil being the hearts. So Jesus is saying, listen, here is what happens. Now, of course the question is, why doesn't he just speak directly? Why is he like telling this parable, this kind of story to get the point across? Well, very quickly, a parable, if we go back, I think, in the previous slide, parable. Literally, what it means, if you translate the word right from the Greek, it means ships. Ships that are next to each other. That's actually the meaning of it. Two ships, side by side, directly next to each other. If you drew like a, a line right here, in math you call that a line of symmetry, and you copy that over that line of symmetry, it's exactly the same. And so we're telling a story that would get it to be exactly the same on the other side. It parallels it perfectly. Because for whatever reason, it's not clear in regular language. And so he's going to use a parable a comparison, an illustration, basically an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's a parable. And, you know, why is Jesus going to speak in parables? Well, for a couple reasons. One, it's a helpful teaching tool for difficult concepts. And these people were unaware, really, of God and His working. Having a good illustration. How many people are visual type people? They like to see it, grasp it. Yeah, most people are. It makes things easier. Especially when it's something you're familiar with. And so Jesus always tried to do that. It was a helpful teaching tool in that way. And so he wanted to do that to make kingdom, heavenly meanings make more sense in these parables. So he starts, he says, listen. So when a farmer goes out, or when you go out to your garden, or whatever you're doing, you start sowing the seed, and you start throwing it around. He said, that's kind of like what happens. He said, I'm God. I'm putting my word out there constantly. It is out there. I am sowing it. I'm putting it all around. And, you know, at least in America, it's on the radio, it's on the TV, it's on the internet, it's on Sunday mornings. It's in songs. It's on Facebook pages. It's in Twitter feeds. The Word is just getting sprinkled everywhere all the time. Good for us. Other countries, that sowing of the seed isn't really going that easily. And so when they even get just a little bit of the seed, they just hold on to it and grab that because it's precious. They don't have too many seeds going. But nonetheless... He's a sower, and he's out there, and you have these soils. And Jesus says, you know, what happens sometimes? Is this going to land on a path? And this is the soil 
of some people's hearts is just kind of like a path. And if you've been in the woods, you've walked through paths. And the reason why it's a path, it's cleared off, it's compacted, there's not much in a way, it's regular and you just go by, go right through it. There's been a lot of traffic through it and on it. And some hearts, the soil around those hearts is like that. Where it's like, you know what? I've heard a lot. I've seen that. I've been there. I've done that. And they're really almost spiritually kind of just done with anything God related. So Jesus says, when the sower goes out and some of that seed hits the path, what happens is they hear it, but they don't understand it. And this third party, remember we talked about a third party that's involved in this process? That third party being Satan himself, what does he do? He comes in and he snatches it right away. That's what it says in the passage. So there's more going on behind the scene than just like see just being there. There's somebody else actually coming in, sneaking in, trying to make sure he'll even deal with us hearing it. As long as we don't understand it or grasp it, he'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we don't. Right, these people that have this soil in their hearts, there's really no place for spiritual things in their lives. They just don't want to have it. They're just pretty much done with it. In one ear, out the other. You could use phrases like self-sufficient, self-satisfied. But nonetheless, the good farmer is still trying to sow seed over there. Still trying to. And Satan knows, she's as soon as it's there, I'm going to try and snatch it away. So Jesus says, you know, when the word goes out, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it lands on the path. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to understand it. Maybe they heard it, but they weren't listening. And so they're able to come to church, or come to wherever, or be in a worship service, or be somewhere, and then as soon as they come in, just zone out. You know? Just zone out completely. And just not listen. Because they're spiritually indifferent. They'd rather not hear it. Then Jesus says, then some of that seed that gets sown, some of the soil is rocky. And then we have a picture of that. And anybody who's dug any holes in Connecticut and in New England knows that there's a lot of rocks around here. Right? You try and dig any holes, there's a lot of rocks. So we could relate well to this rocky soil. And what, how does Jesus describe it? What does he say about it? He says, basically, they hear it and they receive it with joy. They're excited. They get in there and they're just happy. And they're ready to go. They're enthusiastic about it. They take it with eagerness. And then what happens is, is because it's in this rocky soil, they have shallow roots. They're not really well established. And it says... And this is the part that I didn't really notice till like three or four days into the week, to be honest with you. It says that trouble comes because of the Word. Look in your Bibles, verse 21. It says, but since He... So maybe this is just me showcasing the fact that I don't read well or pay attention well. But in verse... You'll appreciate that anyways, right? Verse 21. But since He has no root, he lasts only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, 
he quickly falls away. Everybody say, because. Because. Right. Trouble, difficult times, challenges are going to come. They're just going to come. That's just a part of life. Difficulties are coming. There's another part of life. When we step out in faith, when we actually try and put into practice what we are reading and learning about, when we actually try to give more of ourselves, when we actually try to give other people the benefit of the doubt and extend grace, when we actually try to uh, give more of our money or resources, when we try to settle down and give God some of that time that He needs to give us some of that rhema word moment. It says that these people, right, they're going to fall away because they're going to notice when they start to do those things, possibly more trouble, more persecution, more difficulty is coming their way. That's a big difference than understanding the fact that, hey, listen, trouble and stuff is going to come as a part of life. But now, if you're telling me that possibly more trouble, more persecution, more difficulty might come along because of this faith, ooh, I don't know if I really want that. I'm already going to have a hard enough time. And then, those people that took it with so much eager and joy in the beginning, uh-oh, this is going to cost a little something here. This is not... Wait, what? Was I excited about this? I don't know. Was I excited about the fact that possibly more difficulty and cost could come with this? So Jesus is saying that's what happens sometimes. And these people, they want Christianity without the cost because it seems good to have some good morality and ethics and sort of that in their lives. But the cost of Christianity which is a lot, because Jesus went to the cross. It cost him everything. And so we shouldn't really be that surprised with what it costs us. And so the question is, if, you know, they end up just really leaving it all together at the end, the question is really going to be, you know, were they ever really Christians in the first place? Were they ever really... That's worthwhile to think about, and I think that's absolutely fair to ask. You know, were they really Christians if they took it with joy and eagerness in the beginning? And then, you know, ten years from now, it's just, it really has no part and no influence on their lives. Well, a similar situation like that happened in the Bible. And I believe it's uh, in John uh, chapter 12, and you can check me on that this week, and you can send me an email me or Facebook me if I'm way off. Um, but I think it's there in John, where basically they had a group of people that were with them, that were going around doing work with them and ministry with them, and they ended up bailing pretty soon after. And uh, they got asked, uh, you know, hey, what's the deal with those guys? And they said, you know, they weren't really with us to begin with. They were kind of in it because of the novelty of it all, and because it was kind of cool and exciting, and maybe they liked what they were getting into, this new adventure or journey. So, but at the end of the day, they weren't really into it. Because we got to consider where that joy and excitement is coming from in the beginning. Is it because, like, we just joined a new gym and a new membership, and it's really exciting and cool, and we're going to get like back on board, we're going to start eating right and doing the best that we can? Or it's like some new just thing that we're trying. 
Or, here's what we pray and what we hope and what I just I pray for to happen in the hearts of people, people in Naugatuck, people in the Valley, people in Connecticut, that that joy and enthusiasm is coming because they realized, oh my goodness, God loves me how much? He's done how much for me? i got to repent right here and now and make Him Lord of my life. He has done so much for me. He has set me free, saved me. With no matter what I brought to the table, all the baggage and whatever I had and whatever I did, it doesn't matter. He's loved me, accepted me, saved me, and will forever. And will reign with Him forever. I hope that's where that joy and enthusiasm and just excitement comes from and not just because it's like a new thing that we're going to try. Because the difference is if that joy is coming out of actually understanding more as far as what God has done for us, that sticks. A new thing. The honeymoon phase is, you know... A period of time. The thing that sticks is when we actually see and understand God has done this for me. He has died for me. Knowing everything and knowing what I will do even after that. That's an amazing, life-changing love and grace. And so the people that hear it and receive it with joy right away you hope it's for the right reasons Jesus says there's also could happen you know when they're sowing the seed it could land on the path it could land on the rocky soil it could land in the thorns and the thorns here and we should be very familiar uh, certainly with thorns as well around here doesn't that just hurt looking at that picture it just hurts like looking at the picture, doesn't it? You know, this picture like, you know, dropping something in there, or your kid throwing something there, and you got to get it, and ouch. I feel like I need a Band-Aid by looking at it. But, uh, so the thorns, they hear the word. I hope you're noticing a pattern with all of these. There's hearing going on every single time. Everybody say hear. There's hearing going on every single time. I don't know how much listening is going on. But there is some hearing going on every single time. It says they hear the word, but here's what happens. The worries of life and deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So they hear the word. They might even understand it a little bit. It says, but the worries of life, just all the stuff that's got to get done, how we're going to raise our kids, you know, how we're going to spend our money, what our health is like. The deceitfulness of wealth ends up choking it and not being fruitful. And what happens is those seeds get tossed in those thorns and might be able to grow up for a little while. But as you know, if you've kept a garden or anything you know, like that or seen it, can't really have two things growing together like that. It's not going to work out. Somebody's going to win and lose that battle and get choked out. And that's why, you know, why we got to get rid of weeds and things like that. Can't have that. Stealing nutrients. It's stealing vital, essential elements that are needed for it to grow. And so it might even grow for a little while. But it's not going to last. It's going to get choked out. So Jesus is saying, hey listen, that's similar to some of that seed that ends up on that thorny soil. 
Interesting question in this book. Um, the day America told the truth, they basically went around and asked a bunch of questions to uh, uh, Americans and uh, they uh, then took a look at all the statistics. And so their questions, they're like morality type questions. So the day America told the truth, pretty interesting. Some stuff in there is like really bizarre. It's not really a recommended book. But um, this one question is recommended. So, the question was, what are you willing to do for $10 million? Who couldn't use $10 million? Wow, nobody can. Okay. So, what are you willing to do for $10 million? It says two-thirds of Americans uh, answered this way. Basically, 25% of them said that they would abandon their entire family for $10 bucks. They probably don't like their family very much. Would abandon their church. Would you abandon CC Noggy for ten million? I'd do it for one. No, we're not doing that. Says, check this one out. Right? Would become prostitutes for a week or more. Twenty-three percent said that. I'll give up my body. Ten million, whatever. Hey, 23%. That's what people are saying, right? That's the world we live in. <clears throat> Would give up their American citizenships for $10 million. I was going to say, uh, no. Okay. Would, would leave their spouses for $10 million. Would leave their spouses. So much for that in, in richness, you know, and in poor and sickness and in health type stuff, right? Would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. So part of a jury or something like that. I hey, I, I didn't see that. Ten million, please. Let them go free. Would kill a stranger. Seven percent of people said that. Not horrible. Seven percent. Seven percent. And you know how they justified to be like, you know, they'd probably try and pick out something they thought wasn't, you know, important or valuable, you know, and Hey, nobody even knows they're gone anyways. They're not a part of society, you know, and they'll justify it. It's crazy. It's the world we live in. Would put up their children for adoption for $10 million. It's crazy. So the thorny soil, they want the acquirement of happiness, security, popularity, and all-around comfort. So the thorny soil wants. So it's this battle. Jesus, and then happiness, and... His will and my security and my popularity and me and him and this battle. Basically, it's a weed-infested heart consumed with money, sports, possessions, careers, fashions, whatever. That battle is going on for those things. And basically, if you want to keep your faith weak and anemic, a good way to do that would be to have that thorny soil and just have yourself divided amongst those things and always trying to battle and play the game of you know, my stuff, my goals, my wishes, my desires and his stuff, kind of, his wishes, kind of, his desires, kind of. And if we want to keep our faiths weak and anemic and not really fruitful and not going really far, that's a guaranteed way for us to do it. And too many of us are way too familiar with that for too long. 
And then Jesus says, hey, listen, some seed, when that farmer goes out, it hits some good soil. Hits some good soil. And when you've kept a garden, has anybody had to actually go out and get good soil? Did you already have good soil in your yard? Anybody actually have to go out and like go get soil? Even sometimes that's a lot of work, to just go get that. Some people are fortunate enough to actually have good soil in their own yards. But sometimes the seed hits some good soil. Sometimes the Logos goes out and hits some good hearts. Sometimes that happens. And what happens? Here's the big difference. They heard it just like everybody else. And that's important that this hearing goes on. And later in the week you can read Romans 10.17 to show how important hearing is. So if you want later during the week, you can read Romans 10.17 and you can see how, why hearing plays such an important role in this. But they hear it and chances are they're listening. They're listening. They don't just hear you know, the noise and the commotion and the handshaking. They actually heard, and I murdered my grandmother this morning. They actually heard that, right? They understand it and then they produce a crop. Understanding certainly requires some effort. It requires some homework. And that's what the good soil does. It does a little bit of research. It goes back and looks. Right? The good soil, they understand it. They get it. They are transformed, being completely changed by Christ's love. That's what we said. They get that. I am completely transformed because of His love. Not because of the way I can get out of it or what maybe I've gotten so far. It's completely because of how much He loves me and what He's done for me and what is doing for me and what He will do for me. That's the good soil of that heart. They understand. They get that part. They have repented. In fact, it's probably a lifestyle of repentance. That good soil heart and we want to keep our good soil good and we're constantly, we want to till it up and get it black like that and make sure there's some worms in there and make sure it's good stuff. One way that we till it up is just that daily lifestyle of repentance. Man, Lord. Yeah, I blew it on that one. And then 10 minutes later, holy cow, yeah, I remember I said I wasn't going to do that and then I just did it again, you know. It has to be a daily lifestyle of repentance. That's how we keep that soil fertile. Because at the end of the day, that good soil is going to produce some fruit. Because those seeds are going to turn into something. It's going to hopefully turn into some fruit. Spiritual fruit. So when this Logos goes out, there's some things going on. There's some different hearts except going on right here. Right? We all have different backgrounds, different things. We all have different disciplines and focus. We have different learning styles. But there's more than just learning styles and understanding that's going on. There's even a third party coming in and trying to mess this part up. So when this Logos goes out here in Naugatuck, when it goes out you know, in Oxford, and when it goes out in Hartford, and when it goes out in Bridgeport, and when it goes out in Tennessee, wherever it goes this morning... There's all these hearts with all these different soils. And many times, it might seem like we kind of are part of each soil. I seem like that a lot of times. Wow, I just totally shut down to that because I didn't want to hear it. And then maybe, you know, the next time we come on back, and maybe now we're prepared for that. 
So one thing I want to make sure that we grab before we close up here. I hope that we understand that we need to have a purposeful plan to make sure that the soil of our hearts is good. Let me say purposeful. Purposeful. Be intentional about cultivating the soil of our hearts. We have to be purposeful and intentional about that. Because like we said, there's a third party at play with a scheme and with a plan. And honestly, He's good for any soil that doesn't produce good soil. He'll allow for wasting of time. He'll allow for frustration. He'll allow you even to hear it if He can even mess it up. He just doesn't want that to turn into some sort of crop or harvest of 30, 60, 100 times. I think the other thing we need to understand is that trials and challenges are coming because of the Word. Are coming, not... Are coming with the Word and without the Word. And that's confusing with what I just said because when I just read it, I was confused. So, the other part, right, that we need to be encouraged by is that challenges and difficulties are coming. Right? They are. But we should also not be too surprised that when we take a step out in faith that that might bring some extra cost and difficulty with it. Like, we should be prepared with that mindset instead of thinking, what? Man, I thought that, like, at least it would be a little bit easier. No, because what we are promised, we're promised peace. That's for sure. We're promised heaven. That's for sure. Outside of that, it's in His hands. That's pretty radical to think like that on a regular basis all of the time. Your neighbors probably don't think like that. The people on your street probably don't think like that. And that doesn't come natural. To where you say, well, God, I need your peace and more of you today. I need your will to happen. Outside of that, you know, take us where you take us. Take my kids where you take them. Take our money. Where are you going to take our money? That's what we're called to do, though, right? That's what we're called to do. And we can't be surprised when we get to that point and say, oh, man, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier than this. Not necessarily. So now that question that's up there. The word is being scattered. How have we responded? Because it's been scattered before on us. Like the Logos has been around before. And maybe you've had a pattern and only you really know, how have you responded before? It's a worthwhile question to answer. What has really been the response? Because the Logos goes out, it gets scattered, and then there's a response on our end. So how have we before? And then of course, the following question is, you know, how will we respond now? Because some responses are this, that we already looked at this morning. We could be, deliberately indifferent and ignorant of it. Just be on the path and just be like, you know what, whatever. You know, close my you know, ears and close my eyes. And just go through life like that. That's an option. We could just have the Word be a passing fad through our lives and just dump it when it becomes difficult. That's an option too. We could be too preoccupied with what the world's priorities are. Falling for things that will never satisfy. That's certainly an option too. Or, 
Of course, in the good soil, we could, this is also an option, we could take a risk and respond in faith. That's an option. By repenting and doing whatever it takes to make sure that the roots go deep and make it our goal to bear spiritual fruit. That is an option. To take that risk and respond in faith and try and get that in all areas of our lives. So the question really is, how are we going to respond? How will we really choose to cultivate that soil? Because then it will start with us, and depending upon who's around us, we could actually help to kind of cultivate some of that soil that's around us. And that might be friends, that might be family, that might be kids, whoever. But we really can't be cultivating their soil if we got like thorns and rocks and stuff all messed up in ours. It doesn't really work. So what we're going to do is we're going to close with one song, and then we'll come back together um, and pray.